Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. <laughs> Series XM Progress. Good evening and welcome back. Channel 127. I'm John Fugel saying Happy New Year, everybody. I'm so glad to be back with you. Hey, for the next three hours, we are coming at you making sense of the year already. We're at 866-997-4748, and we would love to hear from you over the next three hours. We are live and interactive, coast to coast, all 50 states, including the beautiful state of Canada, 866-997-4748. We have so much to get to this evening. I'm thrilled to be back. Thrilled to be back virtually with uh, the most dangerous production team in all of radio, Chris Hauselt and Thea Harper, running this monster from South Carolina and over the river in Brooklyn. So glad to be back with you guys and everyone here on Sirius XM. And I want to thank all of you guys for your very kind holiday emails and best wishes and all of the lovely things you guys wrote about our show and all of the end of the year specials. We had two different end of the year panels uh, that were both terrific with the God Squad and then with some wonderful pundits. Thank you guys for listening over the break and tweeting and writing about us. Also, thanks to everybody for the nice comments on that appearance uh, we did over there on um, Stephanie Rule in primetime uh, right before Christmas break. That was pretty crazy, and uh, we'll hopefully have some other stuff to say about that in the uh, days and weeks to come. Tonight, we got a good show. Oh, first hour is just you guys. I want to hear about your break. I want to hear how you're doing. Uh, in the second hour, we're joined by our good friend, Lee Papa, the rude pundit. Our comedy daddy, Keith Price, joins us in hour number three, but all night long. It's always the case here. The most important guest on Sirius XM Progress is you. The person I learn the most from is you. And we love when you guys join the conversation. Hello to all of our evil army of the night. And hello to all the day walkers. All you very attractive people who listen on demand on the app and on the Fugelsang podcast. It's lovely to have you with us. You guys are always allowed, if you ever bored some evening on the weekday nights, to give us a call and say Hi, let's get to it. There's a lot to get to today. The Fifth Circuit has sided with the state of Texas against the Biden administration. They say the Biden administration overstepped when they told hospitals they were obliged to perform life-saving abortions for women under the Federal Emergency Medical Treatment and Labor Act. The Fifth Circuit believes Texas is right in prohibiting life-saving abortions. That would be the life-saving kind. This is where we have to remind you, statistically, everywhere around the world, abortion, whether you like it or not, is safer than childbirth. Abortion, whether you like it or not, is safer than pregnancy. If a woman is dying of sepsis in Texas and needs an abortion, the Fifth Circuit Court has just said Texas hospitals have no obligation to provide one. 
They are so pro-life, they are willing to let you die to prove it. Republicans, guys, want a nationwide abortion ban. Every one of them. Every one of them wants it. And they're terrified because they know it's a killer for their votes, but they want it anyway. Every journalist who considers themselves a journalist who interviews Republicans need to talk about this. And they need to talk about slavery in the Civil War, too. But we'll get to that in just a minute. This ruling from the Fifth Circuit endangers the lives of American citizens. Stop saying the two parties are the same. They're not. They're still way too close. But Democrats are the party that fights for women's reproductive freedoms. The Republican Party is the party that doesn't care if these women die and pretends that somehow the Bible is against abortion. So (laughs) happy new year, everybody. How are you? Uh, here's my question for the night. Now that we're back, I want to know how you're doing. Want to know how your break was. You see any good movies? I, I, I saw a lot. I'm actually wondering who saw more movies over the break, Chris or me. I, I think this time it might have been me, to be honest. But we want to know what was the best part of your break. And here's my question for the new year. What are you dreading in 2024? And what are you excited about? I mean, seriously, what are you looking forward to in this year? Because all I'm hearing is bleakness from people. What's keeping you up at night and uh, what's getting you up in the morning? I think a lot about Mark Twain when he said, courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not the absence of fear. And Eleanor Roosevelt, who said, and I'll be quoting her a lot this year, you gain strength, courage and confidence by every experience in which you really stop to look fear in the face. You are able to say to yourself, I live through this horror. I can take the next thing that comes along. So I hope you had a lovely break. It was good to be away for a few days. Took my family to see Spam a lot for Christmas on Broadway. New York City, Christmas time, avoiding all the tourists. It's not easy. We did it. My top 10 films for the year. I've, I've reduced it from 14 to 11. My top, I haven't seen everything yet. My top 10 films of the year. Holdovers, Poor Things, and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse are the top three. Uh, wow. Just saw Poor Things and saw Holdovers a couple weeks ago. I mean, a lot of great films this year. Those are the three movies that most wowed me. But I also loved Past Lives, Killers of the Flower Moon. I loved They Clone Tyrone, which is on Netflix. Really smart, really funny. Loved Priscilla. Uh, loved Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Definitely one of my top ten, maybe one of my top five. Loved May, December. Loved Anatomy of a Fall. And I love Little Richard. I am everything. Terrific documentary. So (laughs) what are we expecting in 2024? What are you expecting? You know what I'm expecting? More of what we had in 2023. Donald Trump lying. Expect more of that in 2024. White supremacists who attack anti-racist protests but never get around to attacking racism. Expect more of that in 24. American fascists. Mass shootings. Biden poll struggles. Fear-mongering articles on AI. Plan on more in 24. Gerrymandering, voter disenfranchisement, Republicans screaming about undocumented people but doing nothing about the Americans, luring them here with them jobs, slaughter in Ukraine, slaughter in Gaza, plan on more in 24. But there's a lot we're going to see this year. It's going to be the craziest year of our lives, friends. It may be the craziest presidential campaign year we've ever experienced, which you wouldn't expect between the same two old white men we had four years ago. Now, it's possible Donald Trump could stay on trial as early as March in either the federal election interference case in D.C. or in the Manhattan D.A.'s case in New York, alleging falsified business records. But as we stand right now, here we are beginning the year. We are five days till the Golden Globes, 13 days till the Iowa caucus, 13 days till the Martin Luther King weekend. 
14 days till a defamation case brought by E. Jean Carroll begins, the second defamation case, 17 days until the next government shutdown deadline, 18 days until the first sexy liberal show of 2024 at the Herbs Theater in San Francisco. Come on down. Myself, Stephanie Miller, Frangela, House Sparks. It's going to be great. It's our first show of the year, and we are hoping to announce a lot of shows coming up this year. It's going to be a big one. We got 19 days until Congressman Bill Johnson resigns. He's the Republican from Ohio. He's going to go be president of Youngstown State University. 19 days till he leaves the Congress. And with him leaving and Kevin McCarthy leaving, Republicans will have 219 seats to Democrats, 213 seats in the House. That allows just two defections on party line votes and a special elections coming up to replace former Congressman George Santos. Okay, 21 days till the Oscar nominations come out. 21 days till the New Hampshire primary. 27 days till the trial for Donald Trump's pyramid scheme with ACN Communications. Yeah, that trial too. 33 days till the Grammys. 39 days till the Chinese New Year. 59 days until Dune Part 2. 62 days until the scheduled trial date for special counsel Jack Smith's four-count criminal case alleging Donald Trump conspired to defraud the U.S. by illegally subverting the results of the 2020 presidential election. That, my friends, is history's most important case for spray tan's most absorbent face. The Georgia election interference case, uh, we're still waiting on a date. But we are 68 days until the Oscars. 83 days until the trial in New York with 34 felony counts of falsifying business records related to Donald Trump's role in the hush money payments to adult film star Stormy Daniels. It's 89 days until Easter. It's 139 days until a 37-count federal indictment trial in Florida, alleging he illegally held on to and mishandled piles of highly sensitive national security information at his Florida retirement home. That's 139 days till that trial. And 308 days, my friends, until the presidential election. But man, it was a crazy day. And it's been a crazy year. So much news happened over the holiday break. It was pretty frustrating. I wanted to come out here every night and talk about it. We saw on December 22nd, right before the holiday began, Joe Biden blanket pardoned all federal marijuana possession and marijuana use charges in the country. Should have been bigger news. I hope we hear about it on the campaign trail. We saw Ohio Governor Mike DeWine, a conservative who has a soul somewhere, veto a bill that would have banned gender-affirming care for kids and would have banned trans kids from playing sports. Mike DeWine made it clear as a Republican that the government needs to mind their own damn business and listen to parents and medical experts when it comes to the health care of their children. I like to begin the year with a Republican being decent. Uh, Happy New Year to the Wisconsin Supreme Court, which overturned Republican-drawn legislative maps over the break and ordered new ones. That was a big win for Democrats. Donald Trump said this week, uh, people who do not like our religion should be deported from America. Mike Flynn said the same thing. Non-Christians should be deported from America. For all you folks who want to say Biden and Trump are the same. And Elise Stefanik. Oh, she is bragging today that she took down the president of Harvard, and we'll talk about it. But, you know, she's pretending to be an opponent of anti-Semitism. Remember, Elise Stefanik has said nothing about Donald Trump's association with neo-Nazi Jew-hating Nick Fuentes. She said nothing about Kanye West, nothing about Charlottesville. She has cynically exploited the issue. God bless Tommy Smothers, a good friend of this show. He was on the first year we broadcast on the air when I did a a TV special with him in D.C. He was 86 years old, one of the greatest comedians ever. But, you know, guys, all the media I saw was just people dreading this year. 
telling me how bad things are, how awful a year 2024 is going to be. And I'm kind of feeling a bit like a contrarian. I kind of don't feel like playing along because we ended 2023 pretty okay. I mean, not great, but prices falling, stock market record highs. The GDP was 4.9%. It's the best, best job market since the 1960s. America has the strongest recovery from COVID and inflation of all the G7 nations. Crime rates around the U.S. falling, rents falling, gas falling, interest rates coming down this year. Lowest uninsured rate in history. This president has given out $127 billion, billion with a B, in student loan debt relief. Trillions shaved off the deficit. Inflation lower than when Biden took office. Unemployment lower than when Biden took office. And this is with the, the insurrection and the COVID and the inflation and Russia's war on Ukraine and the OPEC price hikes. Look at the progress that has been made. You had the Republican side try to overturn an election and end the peaceful transfer of power. The Republican side in full support of a guy at rallies promising he will be a dictator on his first day. Republicans at their rallies praising this guy who's got 25 plus women accusing him of sexual assault and a judge calling him a rapist because he raped a woman. GDP growth up to 4.9%. Consumer confidence went up 14%. Largest jump in a decade. Inflation running at an annualized rate below Jerome Powell's target. Personal income is up. Minimum wage went up today or yesterday in 22 states, with California, New York, Washington, and D.C. bumping minimum wage up to $16 or more per hour. You wouldn't know this from reading the polls. Although, if you do read the polls, Biden's numbers have gotten better. He's leading in the majority of independent polls. Uh, Congressional generic has moved three points towards Democrats. The Democrats are leading in the House battlegrounds. And starting today, thanks to the Inflation Reduction Act, 90% of all insulin sold in the U.S. will have a price cap. Seniors on Medicare with diabetes won't pay more than 35 bucks a month to get their life-saving medication. I mean, think about that, guys. Since, since 1989, right, when Bush Sr. was sworn in, 50 million jobs have been created in this country. 50 million jobs created in the last 35 years. And of them, 48 million, that would be 96%, have come under Democratic presidents. Pretty much all of them, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. I mean, we are out of Afghanistan. We're out of Iraq. We have no soldiers in Ukraine. We have no soldiers in Israel. Again, stock market hitting all-time highs. Almost full employment. Wages appear to be outpacing inflation. And we're having a fight over whether the 14th Amendment, which is used to punish insurrectionists, should be used to punish an insurrectionist. I'm nervous about that, too. But keep in mind, it's also to prevent future insurrections because Donald Trump is openly planning on having another one. He doesn't accept the results of the last election on ballot. And I am very afraid of what throwing him off ballots might lead to. But (laughs) I'll say it again, man, as scared as I am of it, they got him dead to rights. I can't argue with anyone doing it. I've read the 14th Amendment. Trump's guilty. Now, quickly, I want to talk about another Republican who made some headlines over the break. And that's our friend Nikki Haley, because someone who was not a professional media employee asked her a question. And it led to arguably the biggest news story over the holiday break. You know, our Republican friends are really all about states rights when it comes to slavery, when it comes to talking about the Civil War, when it comes to controlling the uteruses of American women. But, you know, when it comes to Colorado or Maine taking Trump off the ballot, when it comes to states that want to decriminalize weed, when it comes to New York State wanting to have their own gun safety laws, oh, no, the Supreme Court 
decides this. It's not about states' rights, you know. And they're still doing this with the Confederacy, all the lost cause mythology nonsense. I mean, this town hall in Berlin, New Hampshire, Nikki Haley was asked by a voter, and that's key, because these are the kinds of very simple eighth grade questions that every politician should be asked all the time. What was the cause of the Civil War? And what Nikki Haley said showed the power of white supremacy in our nation in 2024. Nikki Haley said the war was about government interfering in people's freedoms. Uh, and the voter then calls her out. We'll play the clip right now for not <laughs> even once mentioning slavery. Give a listen. Nikki Haley in New Hampshire. What was the cause of the United States Civil War? Well, don't come with an easy question or anything. I mean, I think the cause of the Civil War was basically how government was going to run, the freedoms and what people could and couldn't do. What do you think the cause of the Civil War was? Oh, ho, 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 ho. I'm sorry? I'm not running for president. I, 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 I want to see uh, your That's a good thing on the cause of the Civil War. I mean, I think it always comes down to the role of government and what the rights of the people are. And we, I will always stand by the fact that I think government was intended to secure the rights and freedoms of the people. It was never meant to be all things to all people. Government doesn't need to tell you how to live your life. They don't need to tell you what you can and can't do. They don't need to be a part of your life. They need to make sure that you have freedom. We need to have capitalism. We need to have economic freedom. We need to make sure that we do all things so that individuals have the liberties so that they can have freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom to do or be anything they want to be without government getting in the way. Thank you. And in, in the year 2023, it's astonishing to me that you answer that question without mentioning the word slavery. What do you want me to say about slavery? No, um... <laughs> so Nikki Haley later accused that person of being a democratic plant. It was a town hall. Anybody could come. It was not a gotcha question. But it seems like a gotcha question because our media is terrified of asking basic, basic, basic questions. Nikki Haley didn't say slavery. She didn't say the Civil War was about slavery for a very good reason. She knows goddamn well it was about slavery. Nikki Haley is a woman of color. She's a daughter of immigrants. And she supports white nationalism. She tried to propel her national career on how she took down the Confederate flag. She knows slavery was the cause of the Civil War. But she can't come out and say it because white supremacists are too powerful in her party. So she can't say the sky is blue. She can't say two plus two is four. She knows it's a Republican primary season. And that means what? White people with victimhood complexes. She'll say anything to get elected. She is a complete moral coward. She will change her opinion on abortion as she has to, on guns as she has to. This was not an accident. This was not a gotcha moment. I mean, it's so hard for some people to face the reality of this country's history and this country's tradition of slavery and Christianity's role in slavery and the role of conservatives in slavery, which is why they try to say Democrats. Oh, the Democrat Party, they did slavery. The Democrat Party, they started the KKK. There is no such thing as the Democrat Party, first of all. That's a insular, as you know. But they can't come out and ever, ever acknowledge that the Articles of Secession 
by the slave states were all about defending slavery. Nikki Haley wants you to believe, or rather she doesn't want anyone to believe it. She is trying to get a job by signaling to the racists in her party that the Civil War was about the role of government and freedoms, not a word about protecting slavery, which was the reason cited by the Confederate states in their Articles of Secession. I mean, December 1860, a month after Lincoln won, South Carolina, home of, let me check this here, uh, Nikki Haley's home state. They were the first state to vote to secede from the Union. They mentioned their inauguration. They mentioned uh, the Republican Party, and they mentioned the war on slavery. They were the first state to secede. They said an increasing hostility on the part of the non-slaveholding states to the institution of slavery was the reason. January 1861, Mississippi became the second state to secede. I'm looking right now at their declaration of why they left. Our position is thoroughly identified with the institution of slavery, the greatest material interest of the world. There was no choice left us but submission to the mandates of abolition or a dissolution of the Union, whose principles have been subverted to work out our ruin. Texas made it very clear the Civil War was all about slavery in their article of secession. Let me quote Texas. We hold as an undeniable truth that the government of the various states and of the Confederacy itself were established exclusively by the white race for themselves and their posterity, that the African race had no agency in their establishment. <laughs> Texas at the African, that they were rightfully held and regarded as an inferior and dependent race. And in that condition, only could their existence in this country be rendered beneficial or tolerable. When's a smart Democrat going to come out and demand Republicans renounce the Articles of Secession? Why hasn't this been done yet? Do you condemn the Articles of Secession? They're 150 years old, 160 years old. Shouldn't be hard. Slavery is literally the first reason Georgia gives for their secession. And again, when some Confederate apologist tells you it was about states' rights, always bring up the cornerstone speech by Confederate Vice President Alexander Stevens. He states very plainly the only purpose of the Confederacy was to create a slave republic and that any threat to slavery justifies secession. The cornerstone speech, friends. There is no doubt. Whenever someone claims it was not about slavery, the Civil War was about states' rights, you know what to say. Yeah, states' rights to do what? Guys, this is the big lie of the Confederacy to this date. This is the stranglehold white supremacy has on the party of Lincoln to this date. Every reason for the Civil War was slavery. The economy of the South depended on slave labor. The state's rights rap was so they could nullify any anti-slavery laws the federal government might take. Lincoln pointed this out at Cooper Union, New York City. He said the Democrat Confederates were conservatives. He said it. But you say you are conservative, eminently conservative, while we are revolutionary, destructive, or something of the sort. Guys, racist policy in this country has always been conservative policy. It was always the liberals of both parties who fought to end slavery. It was the liberals of both parties who fought to end American apartheid and Jim Crow. So Nikki Haley, who is running really hard to be Donald Trump's running mate, even though they hate each other. You know, this isn't new for her. In 2010, she gave an interview to a local activist group that um, says they fight against attacks against Southern culture. It was a white supremacist group. Uh, she, she defended states' rights to secede. She defended South Carolina's Confederate History Month, and she defended the Confederate flag in 2010. This group was the Palmetto Patriots. 
and one of their board members was from a white nationalist organization. She described the Civil War to them 13 years ago as two sides fighting for different values, one for tradition and one for change. (laughs) Of course, in 2015, after the shooting at the Charleston Church, she suddenly became a fan of taking down the Confederate flag. But as I've always said, that was just so she could change the whole narrative from talking about guns and AR-15s to talking about flags. But she's done this before. In 2010, in this interview, she said the Confederate flag was not racist, but part of the heritage and tradition of the state. She called the flag on the Capitol a compromise of all people that everybody should accept a part of South Carolina. It's literally a symbol of quitting America and slaughtering American soldiers because you want to keep black people as livestock. These are the lies of the modern Republican Party about race, and they've all agreed to their lies. They've agreed to say that Black Lives Matter is terrorism, that the George Floyd protests were just nonstop rioting and looting. And that means that the January 6th insurrection wasn't a big deal because Democrats began slavery in the KKK and the Civil War was about slave rights. Michael Beschloss tweeted out a quote from a seventh grade textbook in history in Virginia from 1956. Life among the Negroes of Virginia in slavery times was generally happy. (laughs) This is a time when Tucker Carlson puts out a video this week saying Derek Chauvin is serving 21 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. Guys, they're openly racist, but we can't tell if they're just white supremacists or if they're just trying to cynically appeal to white supremacists. Either way, they have to be called out and the media is not going to do it. Show up at Republican events. If you can, if they come to your state, show up and ask difficult questions, embarrass them, really hard questions too. unfair gotcha questions like what was the reason for the Civil War? Where was Barack Obama born? Can you cite one actual teaching of Jesus the Republican Party has fought for in the last 35 years? Is climate science real? Who won the 2020 election? Was slavery bad for black people or good for black people? And is white supremacy bad? Guys, the media is not going to know. They're not going to ask. They're terrified of alienating the same people Nikki Haley is terrified of alienating. Nikki Haley knows. But she's terrified to tell the truth. Because white supremacy. If you're too afraid to admit that slavery was the cause of the Civil War because your base won't like facts, your base won't like facts that prove it was racism that caused the civil war then nikki haley you and your racist base deserve each other when the candidate who's selling herself as the normal republican won't say that slavery was the reason for the civil war and instead repeats jefferson davis talking points there's no republican party guys it doesn't exist anymore So I know it's scary. I know these polls are designed to gaslight you and make you want to give up. And I know that Joe Biden not calling for a ceasefire has made a lot of you not want to support this agenda. What I'm here to say is you don't need to be afraid. Let's go out there. Let's fight fascism like it's 2020, like it's 2019, like it's 2018. I'm tired of it. You're weary of it. But you know what? The media is not going to come save us. Batman, Superman, Jesus, Black Panther, Gandhi aren't going to come save us. It's up to us. I want to know what you guys think. We're at 866-997-4748. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with your calls. We're at 866-997-GRIT. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. 
VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on, because you know I love it when you do. I'm John Fiegelsang. This is SiriusXM Progress. We are at 866-997-4748. We are taking your calls at 866-997-GRIT. Let me play a quick one. Here is Crean Jean-Pierre earlier today admonishing Republican governors for their latest cruel political stunt of busing migrants to northern democratically run states, which helps no one. It is shameful that a Republican governor, Governor Abbott in Texas, is using migrants uh, as a political stunt. That's what he's been doing. So you're referring to the busing of migrants to northern uh, cities. Absolutely. And the, 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 the busing of migrants, the putting them on flights, it is shameful that that is occurring. And instead of if the governor really, truly wants to deal with this issue, he should talk to uh, the senators in his state. Mm. We're dealing with the grief over here from the news that a friend of the show, legend, Chubby Checker <laughs> was one of the acts at Mar-a-Lago this weekend. I know it's painful. It's painful. I, I, listen, Chubby Checker's in his 80s. He sang the twist many, many years ago. Chubby Checker deserves to get paid, deserves to work. I'm glad he's getting booked. But he played at Mar-a-Lago New Year's Eve party, which probably means he's never going to get paid anyway. Ooh, it hurts when it's, you know, you see Vanilla Ice on stage at Mar-a-Lago. At Donald Trump's retirement home, that you sing Ice Ice Baby for the hundred millionth gazillionth time. You're like, oh, that's fine. Doesn't hurt. Uh, but seeing Michelangelo the Ninja Turtle, that, that hurts a little more. I didn't think he'd sell out. But whoa, Chubby Checker and Jack Nicholas. A lot of disappointed fans today that those guys showed up at Mar-a-Lago. But hey, I, I, I choose to believe that somehow Chubby got paid. We are at 866-997-4748 and taking your calls. Let's go to Mike in Michigan. Mike, thank you so much for waiting on hold. You are on Sirius XM. Happy New Year, John. Hello, sir. Happy New Year. Yeah, and uh, I just, uh, you ever hear the song uh, Georgia On My Mind by Steve Winwood? I think Eric Clapton sings too, but... Uh, I, I mean, I, I know another version of Georgia On My Mind that's a bit more well-known, but yeah. Yeah. Steve does a great job. Anyway. Uh, Are you familiar just, with the Ray Charles version? 
Oh, he, of, of course, yes. yes. Okay, yeah. The, the version you're talking about was was Clapton and Winwood together, right? Well, I, I heard him on YouTube with uh, just by himself, and that was pretty darn good. So okay, but this is uh, that my version. My understanding is that they did this like back in the '60s, right? Uh yeah, it must have been because he was awful okay. young. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, cool, cool. But hey, well, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, but uh, uh, Nikki Haley and her uh, her statement, you know, uh, the government isn't all things for all people. But guess what? The best Republican ever to live, uh, Abe Lincoln, made that uh, that land endure uh, the government of the people, for the people, and or by the people, for the people, yeah. mm-hmm. and of the people, you know. Yeah. Should not perish. And uh, I got all, and her, her non-statement of slavery just drives me crazy. It drives me nuts. Because this is this is what racism looks like now. It's the denial of racism. I say this all the time. And again, Nikki Haley literally proved how terrible white supremacy is. We don't take slavery seriously in this country. We still don't take it seriously when you can fly the flag of white supremacy and keeping people as livestock. I mean, the Germans don't fly the swastika. Germans have better taste than us. You know how painful that is? They love David Hasselhoff music and they still have better taste than us. So this is how it is, and this is what it looks like. And so you're going to see Nikki Haley coming out and saying that we can't, uh, not saying that the Civil War was caused by slavery, because that's how powerful racism is. Nikki Haley knows if she says any bad things about the Confederacy or slavery, it will hurt her with white people who don't want bad things said, or rather, don't want the truth told about white people and slavery. Like, that's how bad white supremacy is right now. It keeps us from talking about stuff that happened 120 years ago. Yeah, amen. I, I love your, uh, with uh, Julie and uh, Simon, I love Aren't those. Aren't they great? Uh, they're, they're great. And uh, I, I I don't know, the real the real Americans may be a good name for them. I don't know. I like that Americans. one. I like that one. But uh, the, uh, just to let you know, the Demo- Democratic Party is still ticking. Democratic mm-hmm. are still ticking. And uh, Happy New Year to you, John. And I just... Uh, Thank you. Yeah. It's government for the people. But, I mean, that's uh, what it's supposed to be, right? That's what it's supposed to be. Other people, by the people, and for the people. But of course, they found ways to do that to, over the years, water it down. And they found ways to make it the government of the corporation, by the corporate of the powerful, by the powerful, for the powerful. And, you know, this is the racket they've done to conservative white people our entire lives. They divide and conquer. They tell them what powerless minority groups to be angry about. And they promise to protect you from this powerless minority group while doing absolutely nothing for you. It's some Christian nation, isn't it, John? Listen, I would love a Christian nation. I would love it. A nation based on the values of Jesus, a nation where we have to take care of the poor, have to take care of the sick, have to be kind to those in jail, no executions, pay your damn taxes. I, w- I would love, I would. I mean, I'm against theocracy, but I would love a government based on Christian values. I would settle for Christians based on Christian value in this country. Keep on trucking, John. I, I love it, you know. You too, man. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. Let me take uh, Jessica in Oregon. Jessica, thank you for waiting on hold. You're on SiriusXM. Hey, John. Um, as always, I come with you bearing a film recommendation. I'm not Tell me. If, <laughs> I'm not certain if you talked about it, but there's a movie on Amazon Prime now that was in theaters called Saltburn. 
I and saw Bird. Yeah, I, I, I saw it over the break. It, it is. I, I, I ha, I'm curious what you think. I think Emerald Fennel is probably one of the best filmmakers, not just female filmmakers out there right now. If you saw um, Promising Young Woman that uh-huh. she directed and wrote, I love how she makes just the grotesquery of beautiful out of all of this. And this movie just blew my mind. I went in expecting something completely different. And Barry Kugan, if I'm saying his last name right, uh, definitely should be the Joker. And he already <laughs> is the Joker in the, in the deleted scenes, but right. he is, is, oh my God. And I got to just say, equality for frontal nudity, man. Uh, well, in the very, if you wait till the last shot, you'll get your frontal nudity. Sure, you wait till the very end. I, I thought he was great last year in uh, in the Banshees of Inisherin, which he got an Oscar nomination for for Best Supporting Actor. He was one of the standouts in a very bland Eternals for me too. I that's right. I thought he's just really, really great, and that movie is just surprisingly dark. Really dark and yeah. Salt saltburn is for people who thought the talented Mr. Ripley was was too light. You know, if you <laughs> if you if you thought that was a little too sugary, this is a bit darker for you. Oh yeah, and I just love how she, the imagery, the the fairy, the dark fairy tale aspects. Like they even took a song from the Alice in Wonderland soundtrack in the movie. Um, mm. And there's just like the Minotaur scene in the in the maze and. She just That's right. fantastic, and yeah. um, just the fact that he's basically, you know, I don't spoil anything, but there's definitely an angel and a devil aspect to this whole thing. And oh, yeah. I, I freaking loved it. It made my top five movies of the year. I mean, it, nice. it's, it's that good, and I think everybody should definitely check it out, but go into it not knowing anything, and you'll be freaked out at the end. I, I was going to say, you know, there's movies to watch at Christmas, and then there's movies you don't want to watch at Christmas with family. And I learned this year that Maestro is many things. It is not a Christmas movie, and it's not a movie to watch with your mother-in-law on Christmas. And it's also not a movie to watch if you're a fan of, you know, Leonard Bernstein's uh, career and public works. Uh, not a movie about those. Th- not a movie about Leonard Bernstein's democratic activism either. But if you're into what Leonard Bernstein, who he hooked up with, and it's beautifully shot and well acted. Check it out, man. Uh, <laughs> let me tell. Let me recommend to you to see Poor Things as soon as you can. Yorgos Lanthimos' movie with Emma Stone. Oh, uh, Emma Stone I gives the performance of the year. It is. It is maybe the most incredibly feminist movie I've ever seen in my life. Um, it is a love letter to cinema and to horror movies. It, it is the Frankenstein story as you've never seen it. It is so dark and so beautiful and so funny, and it is. One of the few movies I've seen this year that I'll say has to be seen on a big screen. Poor Things I know, is um, maybe the best film of the beg, year for me. Um, they had to beg Mark Ruffalo to do it. Yeah, he's uh, terrific. And, it. and and then he he's like, no, I'm not the right one for this. And and people say he like is he makes the movie her him and Emma Stone. I I've got the book. I haven't seen the movie yet. It won't. It's not playing near me, which really yeah, it just me opened. Off. Yeah, it's yeah, not playing um, any. Listen, I live in Manhattan, and I had to take a cab across town to see it today. It's still only in a few theaters. It is, I mean, I didn't think I'd see anything I liked more than the holdovers, and I didn't think I'd see anything that was more incredible on a big screen than 
across the Spider-Verse. Uh, I still can't believe an animated sequel about parallel universes might be the best movie of the year, but goddamn, it's true. But um, you, you've got to see this film. Uh, oh, no, the Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse is everything you go to cinema for. It's astonishing. But this oh, film, Poor Things, is, is just... Spider-Punk stole my heart. Spider oh, yeah, Spider-Punk's incredible. incredible. I want him to have his own film. I need that. And can you <laughs> I think imagine he will. the soundtrack? Imagine I think he will. <laughs> but in terms of like just beautiful, weird cinema, uh, let me tell you, Poor Things keeps it consistently weird. Poor Things is everything... Poor, poor things is what Tim Burton's been trying to do in cinema for forty years. Okay, like that's how dark and beautiful and funny it is. It's well, unlike it, it anything. Me, it's just amazing. What when I saw the trailers for it, it made me think of German expressionism, like on acid. Yes, a lot of um, it. Yeah, and, yeah, and uh, Willem Dafoe just looks. He he is equally as hideous as Gary Oldman was in Hannibal, from yeah. what I've seen. And, but um, it's 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 I've, a film about this woman who's you know discovering her own body autonomy, while driving all these men around her insane because all the men around her are pathetic. And the stronger she becomes, the weaker the men become. Every woman needs to see this film, and every man who's ever cared about women needs to see this film, and every man who's ever wanted to not be a lame man needs to see this film. It is just, I mean, people are going to oh. be walking out of it in droves. I can't believe this movie got made and my respect for Emma Stone has gone up so much for this performance. It is the performance of the year. I really recommend from it. What, if you like Saltburn, check this out. From what I've heard, it would be, it might pair well with Barbie. Um, it would. For, I, I know the, I know the story and I know, I know the whole thing, but I haven't seen it yet. I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but you're absolutely right. It is a feminist film. It would yeah. also probably pair really well with Crimson Peak. I'll tell you what it'll pair well. It would pair very well with Yorgos Lathamos' last movie, uh, or previous movie, The Favorite, which um, also starred Emma Stone, which Olivia Colman won an Oscar for. If you liked that movie, this movie is that times 20. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle that. That movie was crazy. <laughs> that movie was crazy, and this film makes that look like the Teletubbies. I, I promise you, it's quite an experience. Well, thank you, John. Happy New thank Year. You. Uh, thank you. You too. for keeping me uh, sane and, and, and going through 2023 and continue to do th so through this. We need you. Well, thank you. Listen, thank you. I really appreciate you being so kind. And, you know, I just heard so many people say that they're so burned out. They're not ready for this year. They're dreading this year. And I'm, I'm already bored with that. My New Year's resolution is to remind everybody that things have gotten so much better in the past few years. And we got to keep on fighting for the same exact things we've always been fighting for. So thank you. Amen, brother. Thank you. Peace. You We're at 866. Yep. You too. 866-997-4748. Now, as you could imagine, uh, Elise Stefanik is taking quite a predictable victory lap after the resignation of Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard today. She said, I will always deliver results. She tweeted that proudly. Again, won't deliver any results for non-millionaires. She's not going to do anything to make conservative lives better. But she will take down black women academics. Because Elise Stefanik will pretend to care about anti-Semitism. She doesn't. She won't go after it in her own party. But she's more than willing, more than willing to smear anyone she has to smear. And again, you, if you watch the hearings four weeks ago, 
it's not a big surprise. It was a very bad appearance for uh, Harvard University President Claudine Gay. Um, and and, and well, let me go to someone smarter than me on this. Marie in Atlanta, are you with us? Marie, what do you make of uh, <laughs> what we witnessed today? Uh, to me, it seems like it wasn't so much about the plagiarism she might have done 25 years ago. It was it was about the donors to Harvard University. Exactly. Uh, you know, the, the thing that gets me about this um is that so much of it is, it always reminds me, this, this business about, you know, Elise Stefanik's behavior, right? She's going to take down this, you know, these people that she decided she doesn't like allegedly because of anti-Semitism. I've ne- I never mm-hmm. believed that, not even during that hearing. Um, That's right. As well as, you know, DeSantis and his, you know, attempt to erase large parts of American history. It always brings me back to that last scene in The General's Daughter where the main character is a woman who has suffered a sexual assault and did not report it, but nonetheless, the trauma of that plays out for the rest of her unfortunately brief life. And it comes back to that moment when her father leans and whispers in her ear, it never happened. Yeah. You can't tell somebody something never happened. That doesn't work. It's it's not like they don't continue to, to play that out. And so Elise Stefanik, you know, in this attempt to take down this, you know, black academic woman, I, I don't get what she gets out of it. She gets, you what know, do you mean? You don't get what she gets. She, she gets to promote herself. That's all she cares about. What, what is Elise Stefanik's legislative priority in Congress? What are the policies to help Americans that she fights for? They don't exist. Exactly. She traded in her credibility. She traded in her credibility to be blindly obedient to, to Donald Trump. And you think Elise Stefanik, who won't criticize Kanye West, who won't criticize Nick Puentes, you think she cares about anti-Semitism? I mean, she did this just to get a scalp to make herself look like she was doing something. And in reality, she did nothing. She just she took credit for it. But Claudine Gay got herself fired all on her own. And as smart as Claudine Gay is to me, if you're the president of Harvard, I assume you're smarter than me. If you're going into Congress to be questioned on TV by Republican Congress people and you don't have your ducks in a row and know what your answers are going to be and you're allowed to be caught flat footed like that. I I'm I'm kind of shocked, but I don't believe for a second Elise Stefanik achieved anything to make anyone's life better or that she cares one bit about plagiarism or dishonesty or anti-Semitism. Uh, agreed. I, I, you know, when I say I don't know what she gets out of this, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't further any... I can't even see where it furthers any policy for the people who are in her districts. Not at all. Of course it doesn't. No, no, it, it, it helps Elise Stefanik. Elise Stefanik knows that right-wing media will share this and call her a hero. It is all about her political aspirations because she hasn't had any positive press in a good long time, and she has milked this thing so hard for four weeks that my nipples hurt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, President Gay will still be, she'll still be, she'll be the shortest tenured leader in the history of Harvard University, and she will return to the school's faculty. She will still work there. Um, and it's the plagiarism. You know, she's, this has happened for a long time, and there were uh, several allegations of plagiarism that emerged. Um, but of course, Republicans don't care about that. They just want to take down a black woman who's a Democrat. That's it. That's all and, it was. And my understanding, well, and my understanding of, of the allegations of plagiarism, that Harvard looked into it, and what they said was that there was not, there did not appear appear to be an effort on Claudine Gay's part to 
represent something as hers that was not hers or to, um, you know, she didn't do anything like that. What what there appears to have been was insufficient. um, um, Oh, God, citations. In essence, citations, but that's that. But that's it. Yeah. The, they, the, the not- Harvard Crimson reports that the, their internal investigation at the university found instances of, here's their words, duplicative language without appropriate attribution. And she actually requested three corrections to her dissertation, which goes back to 1997. So, you know, they got her uh, at Harvard. Seems like they, you know, they didn't want to humiliate her. They, they doesn't seem like they wanted to do any of this. Um and then boom. And then right away, what name do we see trending all day? Condoleezza Rice. Because God. to right-wing people, one black woman's just as good as another. Why not have Condoleezza Rice run Harvard? I mean, her name was trending today because right-wing people were saying she's the only one who should do it. The same right-wing people who've been taught by Donald Trump to now say the Iraq war was bad are cheering on Condoleezza Rice, who deserves to be in a prison in The Hague for the rest of her natural life. Like, they can't stop mm-hmm. being racist. One black woman's as good as another. Well, you can go all the way back to Clarence Thomas being the quote-unquote replacement for Thurgood Marshall. I mean... Yeah, you're right. They, they revealed right. their hand way back then. He was deliberately hired to undo Thurgood Marshall's work the same way Amy Coney Barrett was deliberately hired to undo the work of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. That's mm-hmm. it. Exactly. Exactly. But again, what, what did Elise Stefanik say? I will always deliver results. She literally made the whole thing about herself. You know. Oh, hey, everybody. It's our producer, Chris. Well, listen hey, to you Chris. guys. Hi. Happy New Year. Uh, listening to you guys talk about year. that and Stefanik saying, I always deliver results. I had to go look up. Uh, there was an NPR story I heard over the break, but they were talking about how this was the least productive Congress in yeah. decades, in, in decades and decades. They passed 27 bills into law. 27. Mm-hmm. And and so and the, and the bills that they passed, the laws that they created were things that were... Uh, gestural, like commemorating the Marine Corps anniversary or, you know, uh, things like these spending bills and resolutions and things like that. And naming a post office. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like changing VA clinics and naming stuff. And and but so then they spend all their time doing what Elise Stefan, the result she delivers is is this war on identity politics that they do in these in these, uh, you know, these hearings and and that's all that she can offer but it's not the results that do anything right john exactly right i mean she's improved nobody's life in any way what are you getting at chris i i feel like you were queuing me up for something i didn't catch no no i'm just saying like 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 how dare she say like she delivers results because this is like the least result in congress in the in that they've had in a long a very long time. that's it mm-hmm. yeah yeah they don't they don't do anything that affects people's lives exactly they don't help they don't enhance the lives of their constituents they don't and yet what offends me what i come right back to every single time is all these people have to do is serve two terms and we are paying our tax dollars are paying for them for pensions for the rest of their lives that's it believe me if the american people understood the congressional pension system we would find so much common ground between Democrats and Republicans. Marie, you are the best. Thank you so much for calling us this evening. we got to take a quick break. We'll be back with your calls in just a moment. This is SiriusXM.
Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs, just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. One of the best things about being back from Christmas break is that I get to be on the radio with Keith Price again. Keith's a comedian, an actor, a writer, a radio star. He was the first openly gay black radio host at Sirius XM. He co-anchored the morning show on the late lamented wonderful channel OutCue. Do yourself a favor and catch Keith's wonderful Broadway-focused Instagram, Keith Price's Curtain Call. Comedy Daddy, Happy New Year and welcome back. Happy New Year, John. Happy New Year to everybody that's listening so glad to be back so glad to still be alive so glad to see the beginnings of something new happening it's just you know it, this is a very yeah. nice time of the year and you know to like to you know uh piggyback onto what i was telling you about thanksgiving a couple of weeks Please. ago is that sitting you know sitting still on new year's eve like i didn't go out i didn't do anything i just i worked up until I had to. And then I took those two days to be in like college, like solitude. And it was the most peaceful time because I was reflecting upon the fact that a year ago, that time, the situation was not as comfortable as it was this to go around. And the the year before that, the two years, even before that, it was really uncomfortable. So like, You know, and so I tried to take this as an opportunity to just sit and be thankful that my life is progressing in a a nicer direction than it was before. And hopefully it's going to continue in that direction. Um, I'm going to start working a lot harder. The the new word that I picked up today or a couple of days ago, actually, was audacity and having the audacity to want to do what I want to be doing in 2024 and for the rest of my life. And and just being audacious enough to do it. It's like, you know, right on, I know Keith. what my talent pools are. I know what I can bring to a table. I know, you know, all of those things I'm very well aware of. And, yes. you know, just being very thankful that I've had opportunities, like I get to be with you every week and I, you know, get these opportunities to really start putting these energies out there. I, w- I wouldn't, ca- I wouldn't call happen. this an opportunity, Keith. I would call this more community <laughs> service on your part, but I'll, 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 I'll take the compliment. But you, you say something so important because I think, I think especially when we look at the political progress of our nation from the mm-hmm. pandemic till now, from when Biden took office till now, the, the same thing in politics is true in our personal lives. Just because you don't feel like you've come a long way, just because you don't feel like you're where you're supposed to be, just because you don't feel like you've you've made progress, it doesn't mean progress hasn't been made. And where you are right now is light years beyond where you were a year ago, way more than yep. that two years ago. And sometimes mm-hmm. 
even when you can't give yourself the credit for traveling so far because you're not there yet, it's so important for all of us and for the nation to be able and say, okay, yeah, we're a long way from where we need to be, but let's take some inventory and, and realize we've worked really hard. It's not satisfying, but progress mm -hmm. has been made. But progress has been made, you know, honestly, to sit, sit down on New Year's Eve, realizing that I was, you know, I was at a friend's place and being able to hang out at my friend's place because I could hang out. It wasn't because I needed to be there. Or I had to be there or I had nowhere else yeah. to go. I was just hanging out there because it was closer in for me to do that and go to work the next day. And hmm. to know that there was going to be money in my bank account when I woke up on New Year's Day, like right it, on. there was there was there's a certain kind of, you know, I guess, small, small spaces of gratitude that you should really reflect upon when, especially when you think you have nothing to be grateful for. If you're walking around Amen. thinking you have nothing to be grateful for, you better stop and really assess because honestly, the littlest things for me have been given me the most excitement in terms of having gratitude. So like, you yeah. know, Going, yeah. having two jobs, having to work two jobs to continue surviving in New York, and one, and both of the jobs are jobs I like, and both of the jobs I have people that I enjoy being around, and I still get to do things like this and go do comedy and do all this. So, like, I, I am in a much better place, like I said last year than than, than this year, and it's thankful because yes, I have to work hard, yes, I have to do all of these things, but at least I've been in surroundings and environments that I don't feel horrible about yes. being in so it's like and that makes such a huge difference for all those people that have to shout out to y'all that go to jobs you cannot stand but you still got to go it's like we've all been there at one point in our life but i i now understand what it truly means to go to work environments where you work with really great people and do get, get to do good things so i i wish i knew what yeah. that was like i can't i can't speak to that experience <laughs> I, I i i work with chris who i don't see. And the best thing about Chris's <laughs> job is he doesn't have to see me, but once every year and a half or so. Um, <laughs> Keith, I want to I want to get to some of our listeners and get back to politics. But before yes. we do, I, I, I'd be most remiss if I didn't talk about a good friend of ours, of yours yeah. and mine, um, who I loved, who did this show many, many times and who did this yep. show many, many times with you, who I am sad to say I didn't know we lost uh, last week. I, I wasn't yes. really following the news and I, I made it a point on my break that I was going to be a dad and not read the news all the time. And so mm -hmm. I missed the passing of the beautiful, prolific uh, Bobby Rivers. Bobby who, Rivers. Um, was a person I watched on TV when I was a kid. Oh. I remember watching him host his own show, Watch Bobby Rivers on VH1. Mm -hmm. He did so much. He was on the Food Network's Top 5. He did. Uh, he was a film critic. He was a terrific, terrific host and an on-air oh. presenter. And he was um, a real black gay pioneer in broadcasting. Yeah, he was. And you know, the thing is, is that it's only now people are actually looking at his life and looking at his career and recognizing the pioneer energy that he went through to do what he did. And, you know, I, Bobby and I became friends on a, on a, the craziest thing because I was hosting my own comedy show in the East village and it was becoming very popular because it was like a mix of gay and straight comedians. And so one, the night before I met Bobby, this comedian came up to me and says, you should put me in my show, put me in your show. Cause I'm gay. And I said, I put you in my show if you're funny. The fact that you're uh -huh. gay doesn't matter. And then I turned to my friend Angela and I said, you know, and it's so exhausting being seen as the Harriet Tubman of gay comedy because this was like in the <laughs> early 2000s. And Bobby Rivers was standing behind me. on the We were on the street corner and I heard oh. him laugh. 
And when I heard him laugh, I turned around and I flipped out because I was like, oh, my God, you're Bobby Rivers. Like, yeah. you thought I was funny. And it, and, it, and from that moment on, he like he I had a, a backpack that had my website on it. And he found me through my website, cannot contacted me just to tell me that what I had said was the funniest thing he had heard in a very, very long time. And then from then on, we just became friends. And then, you know, as as time went on, we started having these moments of uh, I was making like these similarity moments because for me, he was the the black gay guy, although he wasn't technically out, but for anybody that was paying any kind of attention to him in those Sally Jesse Raphael glasses, you knew she she was special. And, you know, and because of him, I think in the end, when I started doing broadcasting, I, I was able to remember that he was one of the first persons that I ever saw doing that kind of entertainment interviewing stuff that we've been doing that was doing it at a time when it yeah. wasn't even, you know, popular to be out, much less be black. Oh, and yeah. Out. And so oh, I know he he had a lot of struggles. And, you know, and the he, thing he is became, that, but he became famous in the 80s. I mean, as as a, a black gay man who he, he I mean, he wasn't trying well, to hide it. When I was a kid, like we knew he wasn't Bobby was it. a black gay man and he wasn't hiding it. And he and and that wasn't about his identity. He was a showbiz nope. journalist. And that's what he came to talk about. And that's what he came to talk about. And the fact that he wants to kibitz later, you know, with Betty Davis and and all the fantastic people that he's met and talked to over the years that people today. It's, it's interesting because we always used to talk about how what it means when you're the first of anything. When you yes. become the first of anything, you get the worst of everything. And sure. unfortunately for him in his career, although we saw the bright lights of VH1 and you know following that there was those moments on WNBC on the weekends, but and Fox 5 for a hot minute as well, but he was struggling through those processes yeah. through that time and yeah. it was hard for him to get work and it was hard for him to get you know, people to understand who he was. And we, the best thing is, is that when we finally, we had, he and I finally connected in that I, he was in my documentary, Ebony Chunky Love, because I wanted to have, give him a moment to where people would know who he was. If they bothered right. to, you know, if they bothered to know who I was, then they have to know who Bobby Rivers is because Bobby Rivers, you know, I'm a descendant on his shoulders. I'm standing on his shoulders when I was standing in did, front of that. And my, you did my, my show with Bobby many times. The two of you yeah. joined us together many times. And yeah. so we put a podcast together that we tried to do called Mocha and it was spelled M-O-C-H-A-A, men of certain hue and age. And... <laughs> You know, and to listen to him tell stories about, you know, having some of the people that he'd met over years, plus adding his life experience into what was happening at the time and of the day. It was it was a really joy to do that with him. And, you know, we people lose touch after a while sometimes. And he when he moved away to go live with a sister, we kind of lost touch and then we never really got to reconnect. And in that time frame, I never knew that he was ill like that. I didn't either. and then, either. you know, to he open and I up spoke the last, he and I spoke briefly last year and I was like, when are you coming back on the show, Bobby? He's like, yeah. I moved. I'm like, I know you move, but come back on Zoom yeah. sometime. Yeah. And I didn't know he was sick. So I didn't either. And then to find out, you know, the passing was just like a surprise to me. But, you know, at the same time, you know, he was 70 and to see like right now. If you would see that his name was in the Hollywood Reporter, Variety, people, the New York Times did an obit for him. It's like, it was like all of the venues that for the longest time he couldn't get any work 
for I know, as an entertainment I know. perfect. But now they're real, you know celebrating him and they're talking about him and and I am That's so thankful that right. they are. But when you are the first, you wind up getting the worst. And and I, you know, like I said, you know, being the first out gay you know, radio personality at Sirius, you know, you thought the cachet was going to be better on, but it didn't get that much better for me. And then, of course, after it it stopped, I had to go out and do my own podcast. And, you know, yeah. thank God you were here to, to give me time on the air to be around because, it, you know, it's not the same. But now you, 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 you swing a cat now and you, you hit some gay black guy on a microphone doing something fabulous, making great money. I feel like Chrissy Everett Lloyd, every time she looks at... um Serena Williams. You, you ever, ever watch an interview with Chrissy Everett Lloyd and they mentioned Serena Williams? You see how her face kind of changes because she's yeah. thinking about how hard she worked in tennis way back when as a woman and didn't get the kinds of endorsements that she's seeing, like, you know, well, seeing like the younger tennis stars like Serena are making, which you can course, see it in her face. I just, and, I just, you know, I would never expect someone like Bobby Rivers to get his due and to get the the recognition he deserved. I mean, you're right. Pioneers are always very lonely, and it's you know mm-hmm. very very rare that it can happen. But he did so much, he achieved so much, and and right. I'm just, I'm just so sorry that uh, I, I never got to talk to him last year, and I didn't even yeah. know he was sick at all. So God bless Bobby Rivers, and God bless you for bringing him on the show so many times. I mean, he 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 joined you many times on the show, Keith. Yeah, he was. Yeah, that was my pal. And we miss him. to sit and laugh with him, like I, I found the podcast, Mocha, it's, you can get it on Apple's iTunes. And if you go in there, you can hear every episode that we've ever put up. And see, to listen to some of the stories, to listen to the conversations, to be involved in the conversations with him, it was an absolute joy. And, well, yeah, you know. I, it's it is it is what it is and i'm I, like i said but now is the time to be audacious and and own what i want to because i think that in the end that was our problem we couldn't be audacious we felt well i listen i have audacious. never known you to have a problem with audacity sir and the more you shock the more i like it so do you want to talk to some of our evil army of the night keith shall we sure, take some of our callers let's let's go. we're at 866-997-4748 866-997-GRIT uh, steven in kentucky welcome my friend happy new year to you you're on with keith yes happy holidays to you both hello thank you and uh, I appreciate what you were just saying a few moments ago. I think I was meant to call in tonight to hear those words myself. So I do uh, appreciate that inspiration. Okay. You're here, um, please. Desperately. Well, I wanted to go on and I wanted to mention something about uh, Bill Barr that I heard in the please. media recently. Please. He says that voters should be the one to repudiate Trump at the polls. Well, didn't we do that already how many times? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think I think Twice. we're dealing with an obsessive stalker here in Donald Trump is what we're really dealing with. It's almost like a domestic violence situation. And quite yeah. frankly, I did, my destiny is not dependent on being his handmaiden. Uh, that's not that's not my destiny. So he can go fuck himself and the horse he rode in on. Um, didn't uh, what I'd like to know is for Mr. Barr. I think it's time for the courts to now stand up and enforce the laws to stop, you know, trying to be intimidated by potential domestic terrorism. You know, Maine and Colorado have demonstrated some moxie here. And look at how many of these Trump 
these lunatic fringe members are trying to go after them. You know, I'm sorry, but the Constitution states very, and I don't give a damn, the Constitution states explicitly that he is, he should be barred because of yeah. what he did. I don't Keith, care I how people agree. feel. I, 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 I got to Well, I see both sides of this really well, Stephen. I'm terrified what it means. I think it's going to give Donald Trump a lot of ammo for fundraising. Mm-hmm. They're going to say Democrats aren't really, they don't really care about democracy. They don't want us to vote for well, who they want to vote what? for, blah, well, blah, blah. They're going to do all of it, but, it doesn't, but it's still right. It's still right. I'm saying I see both sides of it. I just well, I just think that I think that Maine is going to be overturned and Colorado uh, is a state so that Trump was never going to win. So anyway. Let me ask you this, John. So are we going to yes. sit here and allow this monster to continue to run roughshod? I'm sorry. I am sick of this. I think mm-hmm. I dare say there's a lot of other people that are, too. The time has come. Enough is enough. And the allow fact him to is, what, Stephen? if people allow him to run for president with the damn Constitution and actually read it instead of sitting there being inspired by this monster, <laughs> then this is the problem. It goes back to education. It goes back to the yes, fact we of actually having, of like you were saying, Keith, before you have to exhibit some backbone here. But it's and still you know, going to come down to the voters. Okay, it's going to come down to the voters still. I hate to say Bill Barr is right, but Maine and Colorado aren't going to change the outcome of a 2020, well, a 2024 presidential this. election. It's going to come down to high voter turnout, my friend. Uh-huh. Well, are we going to sit here and play sad a masochist again, people? Are we going to continue to do this? Or are we going to finally say that we deserve a hell of a lot better? That we deserve to we deserve to preserve our self-respect, reclaim what's rightfully ours. This is our country. These people work for us, not the other way around. Okay. And what I don't understand with the Supreme Court, with all due respect, how can they yes. sit here and preach to us that abortion should be sent back to the states when, in fact, it states very explicitly, again, in the Constitution, that the states are the ones in charge of their own elections so how can they to come back and real i'm gonna tell you what's going to happen if they do do that it's going to cause a tsunami come november and i guarantee you just like with the abortion issue when they overturn that it's going to cause people who hated trump to come out in larger numbers and they they are not i'm telling you right now they are in for a rude awakening if they we'll think, and if mr trump thinks he can run brush shot i i dare i tell you what bring it on because i'm Steven, i thank you, you for the call he, I got to run, but I thank you, man. You're right. I think you're right about everything. And I don't I don't think it's going to come down to people being to Trump being taken off the ticket. I think he's going to be on the ballot in these states, Keith. And, you know, I I think he should be. These judges are fine in saying that, yes, he committed insurrection under the 14th Amendment. He's out. I get it. Makes me nervous. Uh, I don't think that that's going to help much in the long run. But I I can't argue with the with the ruling. Well, you know, for me, it's like I said, it's nice that they are now bringing the section three of the 14th amendment into the conversation and starting to enact energy on it. But my thing is section three of the 14th amendment has been around all this time up until now. And at no point in time when it was, you know, I know I tweeted about it and I'm, and I'm sure they could care less about my tweets, but I was tweeting about it two years ago about mm-hmm. you need to do this and you need to do this to all of those people that are sitting in in that, that house and all those people that are sitting in the Senate that participated in all of that foolish 
resolutions on January 6th, those people yes. should be called to task, too. And but that's more important is, to me. I think I'm, I care more about holding these. Con- I think all this Trump stuff. This is exactly what Bush did. Bush and Cheney left office and were the national ghouls. And we all hated them. But the Republicans who enabled all of their criminality stayed in power. Donald mm-hmm. Trump left, took all the bad vibes. He caused the January 6th terrorist attack. But all those Republicans in cheap, shitty suits who voted to overturn our democracy later that night, mm-hmm. they're all still there. And a lot yep. of them have their corporate donors back. And no one's talking about that. Exactly. And so, you know, if it's going to be, you know, if you're going to go apply this to him, then you really should be applying it to everybody else that's involved and everyone else that we know that's involved, everyone else that we know that's on Jack Smith's, you know, co-conspirator, unnamed co-conspirators list. We know they're all on that list somewhere. You know what I'm saying? And it's like at this point now you should start naming and claiming and be done with it. But to me, it's it's kind of too late to start talking section 14, you know, amendment 14, section three, it's almost too late because this should have been in the conversation from the very beginning. And I know that there were a few people that talked about it early on, but they all got, you know, sidetracked by the other shenanigans of the world. So they wound up missing (laughs) out, you know? And so now here we are in the critical year of the actual election where this shit that we're all dealing with should have been handled at least a year or so ago so that we could have had a a clear playing field for these Republican Mm -hmm. idiots to do their foolishness. But the idea that they're going to wind up, you know, giving the nomination to somebody who has skirted every possible way that you are supposed to be vetted through this process where you you have to debate you have to deal with with the primaries you have to deal with your taxes you have to do it all he has managed to skate through all of that and they're willing to give him a second chance again to fuck that's it right. up some more and so that's right what, what does that say about you know what we're dealing with we're dealing with a bunch of really sad sick individuals whose decision making is going to get all of us and i don't like that that's the part yeah. i don't like you want to fuck up? Y'all fuck up on your own, but don't drag me into your shit. And that's what's happening. Well, we've, we're being dragged we've, in. We've now arrived at the point of the uh, broadcast where um, we play a clip of friend of the show, Congressman Eric Swalwell, and oh, we Keith love. Uh, objectifies Eric Swalwell. Absolutely. Are we ready? Are we he, all set? I, so let's listen to <laughs> Eric Swalwell make a very cogent point, and Keith will now ignore the point and objectify Congressman Swalwell. <laughs> A3. I think we have a story to tell, and we can't be too damn modest uh, in telling it. And, and we don't even have to lie or make things up about them. Uh, what they want to do you know, to a woman in her right to make her own health care decisions, uh, to your kid in their right to read what they want to read in their classroom, or to your children and their right to go home safely after school and not be killed by gun violence. We have a story to tell, but we're too modest sometimes, and, and we stand on this false virtue sometimes as Democrats. And what I'm proposing is that too much is at stake this upcoming election to just let them beat up on the president's formerly addicted son and not let him tell the story about how decent of a father he had to help save him from that addiction. As much mm-hmm. as I want to talk about the content of what he just said, Keith, if you want to objectify the congressman right now, please feel free. <laughs> well, he's always objectified. As soon as you mention his name, my mind goes to all filthy places with him, especially with that beard. <laughs> but here's, the, <laughs> but, but he's he is absolutely right. And what what I think is is that you could also say that it's about being audacious. Like Democrats have to be audacious enough now to tell the story of what is actually happening. Because people yes. people will listen now. 
again, you know, since we're going to lose a little bit of the attention span, but, you know, that pandemic forced a whole lot of people to start looking at politics from a whole different, different place that they were beforehand because they did, they didn't have nowhere else to go. And so now they're a tad bit more informed than they were two years ago, three years ago. And this is the opportunity to tap into that and to own you know, own the good shit that's doing. The, the Democrats have done a fantastic bang up job of trying to save this country from economic ruin. Although rich people will disagree, but I mean, you know, why are they concerned? Because they're still rich anyway, no matter how the fucking thing goes, it still works yeah. out well for them. So what do they exactly. really honestly care about? And, you know, it's like, you have to own your story now. It's like, they're not owning their story. The Democrats don't own the story and they're letting you know he's right he's they're letting them beat up on his son you know formerly drug addicted son or whatever but he's but they're letting him beat up on his son they're letting him beat up on the record they're letting them spread lies about the record of what's actually happening and and they're not fighting back and that's the thing we have to fight back now it's no not about well you know civilized people don't have to enter in this sort of discourse we can do no you need to start smacking motherfuckers around because at this point now (laughs) they're not listening and they're not I'm willing you, to. Listen. They're not willing to I'm listen with you. because they're they've got God and the Bible on their side. They're not listening to anybody, and they're not even Let listening to what more. God and the Bible are saying. So no, they they're not listening to no. They 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 avoid that like they avoid the they avoid the actual parts of the Bible they should follow like they avoid that well regulated militia part of the Second Amendment. Hey, before the break though, let me go, do we have time before let's let's take a quick One break. More. We'll be right back in a second, and okay. then we'll get to a couple more calls before we wrap it with the great Keith Price. We're at eight six six nine nine seven forty seven forty eight, and we'll be right back. This is Sirius XM Progress. I'm joined by the great Keith Price. We both had a great Christmas. We're talking yes. show tunes. Yes, I saw Spam a lot. Keith, I saw three Broadway musicals last year. I hope I've impressed you. You know, I was great. very thrilled. I was thrilled. And new, you know, I turned in my new, straight card. Two new musicals and a revival. Look at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're at 866-997-4748. Rachel in L.A., welcome. Happy New Year to both of you. Oh, I'm good. I'm actually good, good. Have good news to report about myself. Please. I'm sorry about your friend Bobby Rivers. I saw some of your postings, Keith, and a, a bunch of other Aww. people, too, that were very sad for, to see him go. I yeah. think, like, Whoopi Goldberg, maybe I saw something of hers about him, too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and also, I agree with, we've got to fight back. I get not, and Eric Swallow is very hot. I can say that myself, too. <laughs> um, okay, so, so, you know, 10 years ago, I had breast cancer, and uh, and I had to have the whole nine yards. It was like stage three. I have one real boob, one oh fake my. boob, and I went through everything, and then I, but I, the medicine worked on me, and I was very good for these last 10 years. Like, you have this tumor marker. It's a number. It was like above 35 is above when it's bad or, you know, above good. And it was nine the whole time. And then after I got COVID last year, about three months later, the numbers started to go up. And then it went up a lot. So luckily my oncologist looks for that number. And uh, we went and I went and started getting a bunch of tests and everything in June. And it, it had come back like with oh no scan. uh-huh and when it does that after you had stage three that means it's automatically stage four which is super alarming to okay. hear someone say so, how, so and okay and but what's the what's the word you're terrifying me now i'm now i took medicine that my oncologist gave me she changed my hormones and now i got another scan and it's all gone 
Congratulations. What? So it's a good story. Wonderful. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's all gone for now. I have to keep getting it to stay gone and everything, but, it, right. you know, I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> it's a medicine. Oh, okay. Oh, Keith, I, she got me a little worried there. She got me She got me a little worried there for that one. But I didn't know where that, that trip was taking me. Yeah. I got nervous. Yeah, I didn't you got us nervous? But that's good storytelling. <laughs> yes, it is. We boarded the train. We didn't know where you were taking us, but we stayed on the ride. Thank you. Exactly. Thank you. Exactly. Oh, well, I'm glad to hear that you are in the, the, the fabulous zone with all of this right now. Yes. Yeah, thank you so much. Me too. So oh, happy new year, okay. and I hope I get to oh. call you a lot more. I love calling you. Oh. Happy New Year as well, Happy Rachel. I'm really glad you're this. around. Thank you for classing up our show, and thank you for being healthy and doing it. We'll yep. see you soon. Thank let me go. Uh, let me go if I can. Oh, Keith, while we have a second, how how do our listeners follow you, Comedy Daddy? Well, how do they, they keep up with all your doings? Oh my gosh! Well, I'm at Comedy Daddy on the Twitter, and of course, Keith Price Curtain Call for me on Instagram, where you can find some of the good theater stuff, which I'm going to be doing a lot more stuff in the next few weeks. I can't wait to tell you about that. And, oh, you know, any other thing you want, I'm KeithPriceComic.com. You can just find it. You can find all of that other stuff there, too. So it's all good. Yay. Uh, let's go really quick. I want to get as many calls as I can. Uh, Bill in New Jersey, you are on with Mr. Price. Hello, sir. Hey, how you doing? Hey. Good. Happy New Year. Uh, Good to hear your voice as you're refilling my love supply, as we speak. Aww. Um, well, we're here to bring the love. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, um, I th- I thought that uh, Poor Things was great, and also Boys in the Boat I saw was very good, too. I haven't seen Boys in the Boat yet, but I, I loved uh, I loved Poor Things. I mean, I, Poor Things is crazy good. Right, right, right. And I saw Spam a lot a couple weeks ago. But anyway. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, we have to realize, though, that South Carolina is probably the center of the worst amount of racism in this country, historically. Oh, you gutsy know? call, oh, yo. Man. South Carolina, I mean, what have they well, got on Mississippi? Okay. <laughs> well, they, what, what they got... Georgia has entered the chat. They, Go ahead. What they got was they were going to join the Union if slavery was outlawed, which is what they were thinking about doing. And right. uh, they... Uh, we're afraid, though, that uh, if they joined the Union and the Revolutionary War, the English would uh, come over and uh, offer their slaves freedom and clothes and food. Mm. So they were, didn't want to leave England. But if they had stayed with England, England in 1807 passed the anti-slavery law, which they only used to apply to England, but in 1830... All the colonies or whatever their possessions were, they got rid of slaves. So South Carolina would have lost slavery like 30 years before it actually happened. Um, oh. Just point of view. And, and, wow. And, and then, and, as we and, pointed out, they were the first state to secede. Nikki Haley right. doesn't think it had anything to do with slavery, but they said that was their reason. <laughs> right. And d- during the Civil Keith, War... Keith, can you believe this? Can you War, believe, like... Like, like I began the show. I'm sorry. Give me one second. I began the show by saying, Keith, like this is a sign of how powerful white supremacy is, that this woman was too terrified in New Hampshire to say that the Civil War was caused by slavery. So she'll make a lot of other stuff up to avoid upsetting people who don't like admitting the Civil War was caused by slavery. If that doesn't show the power of white supremacy, I don't know what does. All controlling the narrative, darling, controlling the narrative. (laughs) Bill, we're out of time. I'm so sorry. I'll let you make your final point. During the Civil War, they uh, threatened to leave the uh, Confederacy because the Confederacy was considering doing a uh, stopping of importing of slaves. And wow. uh, so that's how racist they are. 
Jesus. <laughs> hey, thank you, Bill. I appreciate it. Thank you, Keith. You are our only guest tonight, by the way. It's just been me and the and the listeners all night. So thank you for making this a party. Thank you to Chris and Thea for being the best producers in the world. We will be back tomorrow and the night after that. It's a beautiful new year. Let's get out there and fight for the same things we've been fighting for all this time. Thank you for joining us on Sirius XM Progress. Keep it tuned here. Sexy Liberal Show will be in San Francisco on the 20th of January. We'll see you up there. In the meantime, keep it tuned to Progress. 